Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal Worship Service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession this morning is from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Wisdom instills character traits like diligence, integrity, foresight, and understanding. And these are foundational in house building, both literally building houses or buildings or properties or estates or business empires, and figuratively building our house, our family, our children, our church, etc. Moreover, knowledge is a valuable commodity. Knowledge is power. When you know values and markets or skills, when you know a trade or a science, and when you combine that knowledge with wisdom, the result is frequently that your house can become full of riches, with all precious and pleasant riches. However, this is not a health and wealth gospel. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not written in stone. It's a proverb. It refers to natural law, the way things work in our world. In general, they work this way because our good God created it and made it that way. Nevertheless, even though this is the norm, sometimes the wise and the understanding lose their houses. And sometimes the knowledgeable live in poverty. And this is so because sin messed everything up. God made a good world and gave it to us, and we broke it. Our self-service and covetousness brought death and decay into our world. Injustice and evil are here because of the sin of humanity and the sin in our own hearts. Even when we read this proverb and we see this revelation of the goodness and wisdom of God's creation, we fail to live by wisdom and knowledge. Instead, we are prone to selfishness. We lean towards laziness. We can be wasteful, dishonest, and stubborn. We often insist on our will over God's will. And in this, we harden our hearts against God's holy commands. And we persist in wickedness rather than repenting and turning to the good, merciful, and generous God who gives to us out of his abundance. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So if you're willing and able, please kneel as we pray to God. titled, Waste Not. I have a confession to make. 
I struggle with leaving a scrap of food on my plate. And it's not because things were tight in my family's house growing up. On the contrary, we, we had it pretty good. Plenty of food. It's because my mother grew up in post-World War II Holland. And things were tight for them. Food was scarce. And to this day, she can get emotional when she recalls her upbringing. She drilled into us kids that you have to eat the food that's put on your plate. You do not waste food. And her frugality didn't stop there. She was an aficionado of garage sales and secondhand stores and clearance sales. And the result was twofold. First, by God's grace, I didn't relive her childhood. And second, it's pretty easy for whoever's doing the dishes to tell which plate was mine. And maybe that's how I got to be such a big guy. Our text this morning is Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now historically, this has been somewhat of a, uh, a problem passage in the Sermon on the Mount. The commentators have struggled with it. And the issue with it is that it seems to be somewhat disconnected with what comes right before it and what comes right after it. It seems like a random proverb that Jesus decided to just throw in the sermon for, for good measure. So we've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount and, and we just covered do not judge. Do not judge lest you be judged. And then, and then, and then he says, you know, the beam and, 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 the, and the speck and all that stuff. And then he says this proverb, you know, don't give what's holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. And then he turns right around and starts said, saying that we need to pray. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So it doesn't seem to fit really neatly there. And the problem with that is that application becomes a real bear. What what counts as what is holy? Uh, what, what counts as pearls? What does he mean by that? Who are the swine? Who are the dogs? The literal sense is sensible. It makes sense. You don't, you know, you don't, uh, you don't give holy things to dogs and you don't cast your pearls to swine. That's sensible, but it's a little bit of a ridiculous proverb. I mean, nobody's throwing Bibles at the dogs and at the local pound, or nobody's um, tossing their jewels in the pig pen. You know, it's, what's the point of the proverb? And the figurative sense could mean near anything. It depends on what you bring to the text. Now, what do you find valuable? Don't throw that to the dogs. You know, what, and, and what, what is it? What's, what's, what's valuable? What's, what's the pearl? What's holy? So what did Jesus mean? And to be clear, I'm pretty sure that the text is not talking about some extra peas and carrots on the plate. So then what, what is Jesus talking about? We have to define our terms. So we start with dogs and swine. Dogs in the Bible, unfortunately, are not man's best friend. 
they're not, they're not the cute little puppy that you bring home at Christmas time or Easter for your kids. They are unclean, they're savage, and they are brutes. They, they're wild dogs. They, in, in ancient Israel, in, 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 in the towns, the dogs were what, what ate the refuse. The, the carry, they, were, they were like uh, carry-on in the city. So if, if there was dead animals, the dogs would eat them. If it, uh, we, even we have the story of Jezebel's blood being licked by the, licked up by the, she was eaten by the dogs. So dogs in the Bible are not particularly clean animals. They're, they're savage and they're brutes. And similarly to swine, swine were unclean animals. They, 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 were, they were unholy, they were, they were dirty. The Jews, they were anathema to the Jews. They were, and they're, they're dangerous animals. The, the dogs could turn and tear you to pieces. Um, going to that, there's a, a chiastic structure to our, to our verse. He says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet. Well, swine are likely to trample pearls, and dogs are likely to turn and tear you in pieces. So the first part, don't cast your, give what's holy to the dogs, goes with them turning and tearing you to pieces, and the swine uh, having the pearls goes with them trampling it. Um, they won't recognize, and both of them have the same meaning. These beasts, these brutes, these savages won't recognize the value of what has been given to them. They don't, they don't honor it. They don't hold it up. It, to them, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. They, they're ignorant of the value that it has. So like, if you do throw your Bible to the dogs of the local pound, they'll just rip it to shreds. They don't care. Uh, and what they really want from you is food. And if you don't give them that, then, then they might turn on you. They both only desire to consume. To consume. So that's, that's the dogs and swine that Jesus is talking about. What is holy? Okay, those will go figurative. We'll get there in a bit. What is holy? What are pearls? What are things of value? What is holy is things that are set apart for God. Things that God sanctifies, that God consecrates, those are holy things. And pearls are symbolic of things of great value. So we have the pearl of great price in the parable. We have the pearly gates in heaven. The pearls are things of great value. They're symbolic of things that, that we really put a, a lot of value in. For the Jews, Jesus would have been talking about Something like the temple, or the utensils in the temple were holy and considered of great value to the people of the Jews. The law, the Torah, that was something of great value to the Jews. The Jewish, Jewish teachings about the law, so in the, in the Midrashic teachings of the law, they would string together verses from the law to give an application, and they would call that a, like a string of pearls of wisdom. And so that, that's the kind of thing that the Jews really value. For the disciples, here, it, it would have meant the gospel. It would have meant, Jesus has been defining in the Sermon on the Mount what is valuable. So this is extremely applicable to this parable. In, in the light of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has redefined what valuable is in the kingdom of heaven. He says, what is valuable? 
The reward of your Father in heaven is valuable. He says, don't be a hypocrite. They get their reward. What's a better reward? The reward of your Father in heaven. So when you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites. When you fast, don't do it like the hypocrites. When you judge, don't be a hypocrite. You, need, you want your reward from, the, from your Father in heaven. So sincere acts of faith earn a reward. Sincere almsgiving, sincere fasting, sincere prayer earn a reward that's truly valuable. Another thing that Jesus has enlightened us as to what is valuable is, is the things of God as opposed to ma mammon, the things of the, of the earth. The things of, of the heavenly things as opposed to earthly things. So he, he pits God and mammon against each other. He says you can't serve both God and mammon. Only God is worth serving. So what kind of things are heavenly things? Well, faith, belief. Belief in God, faith, trust in God, hope in Him. That, that is a pearl. That is a holy thing. The disciples themselves are valuable. Jesus says to these poor disciples that are sitting on, on the hillside, the despised of the world, He says to them, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Yours is, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to you. Jesus tells them not to worry because God will provide for them. You are of more value than many sparrows. God is your father. God cares about you. You are valuable. Now in the proverb, Jesus says, don't Give what's holy to the dogs, or cast your pearls before swine, lest they turn and lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. Where else do we see trampling in the Sermon on the Mount? We've seen it. It's in the salt and the light. Jesus tells them, You are the salt and the light. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. But what does he tell us about salt? He says, if you lose your flavor, if the salt has lost its flavor, it is no longer worth anything. And it's only good to be trampled underfoot. It's kind of a negative there for a picture of the disciples being valuable because they are salt and salt is valuable. And finally, and related to this, since the disciples are, are, are representatives of Jesus Christ, Jesus could be referring to himself as what is holy and what is valuable, and their witness of him. This verse is a proverb which commands us to discern, to have wisdom, to divide, to understand what things have value. He wants us to be to, to know and to judge what are the, the things of the heavenly things and what are things that are not heavenly things. What are things of true value and what are things that are not true value. Jesus, this proverb is commanding us that we are to judge. We're supposed to discern what is valuable and then we are supposed to not despise what is valuable but to embrace it and protect it. And to protect it from the things that would threaten it. 
don't give those valuable things to people or institutions or governments or, or whatever it is that's going to threaten them and destroy them and then turn around and destroy you. So we've defined our terms a little bit. How do we then interpret this? Now because of the difficulty of the verse, it being a little bit seemingly random, there have been a variety of takes on it. So you get things like, well don't waste the gospel on hardened hearts. Don't waste the gospel on hardened hearts. If people, if you, if you try and give it to somebody and they reject it, turn away. That you're wasting your time, you're wasting, you're wasting something valuable. Like Paul in the book of Acts. When he goes and he brings the gospel, he preaches the gospel to everyone. And when the Jews reject it, he turns away from them. And he goes and he gives it to the Gentiles. Another uh, interpretation of this is to, to fence the sacraments. To protect the holy things. So be very careful about who you baptize. Because you don't want to waste what's holy. Don't, you don't want to do that. Or guard the Lord's table. It's only, it's only for the Lord's people and it's, and, it's, and it's holy and we don't give it to the dogs. Don't give it, don't give it to the pigs. Um, one guy was trying to work through this text and he just gave up. He said, it's, it's a puzzle. It's an, it's an enigmatic. I, I don't know. It's very humble of him. It's very good. Others see the text more in context, and they connect it with either the pre-preceding verses or the following verses. And I do believe that this text fits right where it's at. God gave it to us there for a reason, and it fits perfectly there. It is connected to what comes right before it, and it's connected to what comes right after it. Now, the debate is whether it's connected to either or, and I think it's connected to both and. God's telling us here, in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't be hypocritical. Don't be judgmental. Don't have a critical spirit. He's calling us, instead of hating our brother by judging him, to love our brother by helping him. So He says, don't judge lest you be judged. And then He tells us, well, then judge. It's like, take the, the plank out of your own eye so that you may take the speck out of your brother's eye. Don't judge so you may judge. Don't be critical so that you may love. That's what he just told us. Immediately preceding verses. So help your brother. And then he tells us, judge. He just told us, judge your brother by helping him. That's a, that's a loving judging. The next thing he tells us is this proverb, which is, judge. Discern what is holy and discern what pigs and dogs are. Recognize those things. Open your eyes. Look to the scriptures to understand the story. Look. Who is a dog? Who is a pig? What is value? What is holy? And then do the appropriate thing with those things. According to Jesus' valuation. So he says, judge your brother, then judge those who are outside. He says, discern and protect what's holy and precious from the brutes. And then he tells us to pray. Well, there's your answer. How are we supposed to discern the brute from our brother? How are we supposed to discern the brute 
from what's valuable? How are we supposed to discern what's valuable from what's not valuable? How are we supposed to discern the brute from the not brute? Well, pray. Ask. Not seek. It's a free gift. God's going to give it to you. We'll get into that next week. But it fits perfectly right here. Don't waste. Judge. Don't waste. So if we go this route, and we've connected it both ways, what did Jesus mean to his original audience? He says that, basically he's saying this, use the eyes of faith to ascertain what is holy and valuable, and then value that. And value it. Embrace it. Hold on to it. A subset of this would be this. Um, In first century Israel... Dogs and swine were, were like general derogatory terms. You call your enemy. You dog. You swine. But especially they referred to Romans and Gentiles. And Roman and Gentile leadership. They were the dogs. They were the swine. That's, that's what the Jews considered to be dogs and swine. The Romans. They did not value what was holy and what was valuable according to the Jewish faith. And so Jesus is telling us there in this subset, don't put your faith or give your loyalty or allegiance to the current powers that be. Don't trust the Romans. Don't trust the Gentile culture. Now this is precisely why the Jews murdered Jesus. Isn't it? They, they, they reasoned among themselves, it's better that one man should die than, than the people. That should die for all the people. Lest the Romans come and take away our seat of power. We're going to put our trust in the Roman gift of authority that we have here. They were looking to earthly power for their own blessing. They, they were putting value in that. And in the midst of it, they proclaimed their hypocrisy by declaring to Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. That's what they proclaimed. Let his blood be upon our heads. Now ironically, ultimately, this this turns into a prophecy of Jesus for the Jews. The Romans ultimately did turn and devour the the, the Jewish system. They destroyed the temple. They didn't value... What the Jews did. Now the wisdom of this proverb is very self-evident. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not hard to figure this one out. Well, you know, don't, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. But the reality of people wasting what is truly valuable for lack of discernment is woefully evident. Let me say that again. This proverb makes total sense. And yet people don't get it. Nonetheless, they continue to throw what's valuable to the dogs and the pigs. So we must then discern what is holy and what is truly precious. That is our job as Christians. We must resist the zeitgeist. That's a big German word for the spirit of the age. 
We must resist the spirit, the, 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 the modern phenomenon, the thing that everybody thinks, oh, that's the answer. We must resist the spirit of the age. Because it's an age. And our kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Our kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. We must put our faith in God, not in earthly things. Not in mammon. Put your treasure in heaven. Don't put your faith in the figurative Romans of our day. Jesus introduced and continues to usher in the kingdom of heaven. And God defines then what is good and what is valuable. And God defends and protects what is his. What's Jesus just got done telling us? He says, put your treasure in heaven. What happens in heaven? Well, moth and rust do not destroy, and the thief does not break in and, and steal. That's what happens in heaven. It's safe. So God protects what is His. Put your treasure there with Him. Your treasure is safe with Him. And God is the, then the measure of anything that is of any worth. If there's anything and you want to know how valuable it is, compare it to God. Compare it to what His Word has to say about it. Look at it in the context of the story. Understand, discern, judge. Have wisdom. So what are some of our contemporary dogs and swine? Well, I want to start with the state. What, are the, what is one of the contemporary dogs and swine of our, our people? Our place, our time in history. I want to start with America. We live in a post-Christian America. And even if we lived back when it was Christian America, it would still not have been wise to put our faith in a human system. Our government is openly secular, and it defies the God of the Bible. Our nation's greed and theft are institutionalizing oppression and injustice. That's what Amos called out Judah for. And that's what Judah got sent into exile for. Our nation has legalized the murder of hundreds of thousands of babies every year. What is more precious or sacred than the life of these innocent children? And we toss it out to the dogs and the swine. As a nation, we are covenantally guilty. We have blood on our hands. More and more in our country, God's word is marginalized and persecuted and driven out of the public square. So don't put your faith in America. She is on a dangerous path. She's violating God's word and God's principles. What else is valuable that our society throws to the curb? Well, what about the rest of the kids? The ones that we don't kill? You know, the numbers vary, but well over half of the kids that grow up in Christian homes in our country leave the faith of their parents. Why is this? 
Well, it starts at home. It starts in our homes. We are not modeling Christ faithfully. We are not teaching our children faithfully. We already covered that the culture we live in is decidedly not Christian. But what that means is that the public education that we have in our culture is not Christian. The popular entertainment we have in our country is not Christian. Our music is not Christian. Our movies are not Christian. Our video games and sports are filled with the philosophies of the world, the philosophies of the day, the zeitgeist. Acceptance. Tolerance. The God convenience. You deserve this. Take it easy. Pick your feet up. And the wholesale pursuit of mammon and vice. Greed. And the result's confusion. There is no judgment going on whatsoever. There's no discernment. Christians regularly turn off the brain, flip the switch, and refuse to judge. It's easier to turn on the TV and let it babysit your kids. I'm preaching this to myself, too. It's easier, isn't it? It's easier not to think this through. We refuse to exercise wisdom in these matters. And if you think about it, it is even worse and more dangerous when the institutions that are poisoning our children go by the moniker of Christian. Well, I send them to Sunday school. They're going to teach them to be a Christian. I, I paid thousands of dollars to send them to Christian school, so they're going to be Christians when they grow up. Three quarters of them are not Parents think that since they sent their kids to a Christian school, they can check out and pay somebody else to do what God has commanded them to do. I should also include here the truth that there's nothing magical about methods. Zilch, not a nothing. They're all in this world. Classical Christian education, or homeschooling, or courtship, are not magical. You can't just say the abracadabra special words and auto bing, check Christian one, check Christian two. They're all popping out Christians. It's not magic. Even our denomination, the CREC, what a wonderful church. Look how inclusive we are. We have Baptists and, and Credo Baptists and, and Pedo Baptists. Look, look at this. How look how good our theology is. Look at how good our systematics are. Look how good we can, we, we can explain what the Bible says. We have the right answer. We have the right answer. That is not equivalent to holiness and true value. Not without faith, not without a heart that's engaged, not without the spirit of Christ. Methods can be useful tools. They, they, are, they are useful. By all means, homeschool your kids. It's wonderful. Classical Christian education. It's wonderful. Know your theology. We're doing catechism class on Friday. Be there. 
They're valuable things. They're methods. But don't confuse the answer, the thing that we all need, Jesus Christ, with the lenses through which you are seeing Him. Don't trade Jesus for catechism class. Embrace Jesus. If it means you have to castigate catechism class, well then do that. But embrace Jesus. Faith always requires wisdom and discernment and the hard work of defending and protecting what we should. We can never just go on autopilot. That's, that's not part of this life, this side of, of, of heaven. No, no autopilot here. Autopilot is, is direct in the ditch. That's autopilot. You want to crash, go on autopilot. Don't do that. You don't want to crash. Judge, discern, have wisdom. And this is all important because if we won't insist on honoring what is holy and valuing what Jesus tells us is really valuable, if we won't glorify Jesus' name and protect the precious jewels He has bestowed upon us, then we deserve all that we get. In the end, we have become compromised. We've lost our saltiness, and we are good for nothing but to get trampled by men. Don't lose your saltiness. Now, God is in our world. He's here. Jesus came. He became flesh. He's in our world, but He's not of it. He's from heaven. He works in the nations. He works through nations. But we must never confuse the nations with Him. We are called to discern holy things and pearls, and this requires wisdom, and when we look for them, we necessarily look around us. We open our eyes. Where, where are we? Well, we're here. We're in this building. We're in this state. We're in this country. We observe what we see, and by faith, we can discern that the kingdom of heaven is already here in our midst. Jesus is at work here. He's in you. And he's in me. By the power of His Spirit. He's in His church. Praise God. Wherever we see Jesus, we must love Him, embrace Him, serve Him, and then go out and protect the riches He's entrusted to us. Which brings us to don't destroy what is holy and what is beautiful. Don't destroy the gifts that God's given to you. I've got three real quick things here. The first thing is that God gives us certain things that we have a responsibility to protect. Number one is your sexual purity. It's a gift. God's given us bodies. And He's made our bodies holy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You are holy. For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are holy. Your spirit has been united to Christ. Don't mess it up. Don't, don't give what is holy to the dogs and to the swine. Sexual sin is rampant in our country. Why do you think that we sacrifice those hundreds of thousands of babies? It's so that we can have sex without consequences. Right? It's an abomination. But it's true. 
Keep yourself pure and holy. Value what God values. He values you. And your body is part of you. Don't disgrace it. Next, value the body of Christ. Don't destroy the church. Don't destroy one another. Don't gossip. Don't slander. Don't cause division. Don't hurt each other. Don't sin against each other. Don't sue one another. Love each other. That's how do you know they're Christians? By their love. That's how you know it. By your love. Love one another. These sins I just listed, they destroy the body. They destroy the body. They make us a byword among the outsiders. They give our kids cause to doubt our integrity. If we're not going to love what Jesus loves, if we're not going to love His body, if we're not going to love His church, why would our kids? Why? They won't. Therefore, Christian disagreement, which is entirely possible, somebody might disagree with another Christian, two Christians, Christian disagreement should always be garnished with love. Garnished with love. Even in Matthew 18, which we read this morning, confrontation is done in the spirit of reconciliation. The goal is to be united, to to forgive. And Jesus shows us how to do that. We can do that. We We can really forgive one another. So inasmuch as is possible with you, be at peace with all men, but especially the brethren. Minister to one another, build each other up, serve each other. And finally, don't destroy what is holy and what is beautiful. And by this I mean, don't compromise. Don't back down from the truth. Don't deny your Lord Jesus Christ. Don't deny the gospel. Don't deny the kingdom of heaven. Don't make your witness void. Don't turn into salty, not salty salt. When God gave us Jesus, He gave us Himself. And there's nothing more precious or valuable or holy than God. And you have Him. Don't waste Him. Don't waste His Spirit. Because we are Christians, because we have professed our faith in Jesus Christ and are united to Him in our baptism and in this meal, there is nothing more hypocritical than our compromise. Don't back down from the truth. Declare and proclaim and bear witness of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for you so that you could have peace with God. Don't do that. Instead, cling to Him. Cling to what is holy. Cherish it and never waste it. Cling to Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let us pray. freely given to us what we could never have afforded. He gave us a gift so precious and valuable that we cannot even comprehend it. He gave us life, and then when we sinned against Him, 
He redeemed us and gave us eternal life. He sacrificed His only Son, Jesus, for us. And then He gave us value. He washed us with Jesus' blood and made us holy. He's united us to Himself so that we can have eternal fellowship and peace and joy with Him. We will never be alone again. We will never be lost. We can never lose hope. Jesus is always there for us. And He is here, freely offered to us, in the grace of the Gospel, by faith. This table is for all Christians who are baptized and members of the church. And when you eat and drink, you confess that you are a sinner and you are not worthy of Jesus Christ except by faith. And you're without hope except in the sovereign mercy of our God. Christ's body, broken for us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.